Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Now, the big headline in the Belfast Telegraph this morning says just 29% want unity. And it goes on to say less than a third of people here would vote for a united Ireland if a border poll was held tomorrow. A major study has revealed this. And John Tong will fully understand the study because it is the University of Liverpool's. Uh, John, good morning. Good morning, Frank. So, John, just in ordinary layman, laywoman's terminology, uh, remind us of the general findings and what the people in charge of the study were setting out to achieve. Okay. well, the most important finding, probably, given that it directly influences whether a border poll will be called, is the finding on a United Island, how people would vote in a border poll. The question that was framed was, if there was a border poll tomorrow, how would you vote? Uh, 29% of people said they'd vote for United Ireland. 52% said they'd vote for Northern Ireland to remain in the United Kingdom. There were quite a lot of, of don't knows, uh, it should be said. And that, it, what it, the survey was, was a survey, two, just over 2,000 people, 2,003 to be precise, people were interviewed as a representative sample of the Northern Ireland electorate across 90 different districts uh, in all 18 uh, Northern Ireland constituencies. And you, you control for people's age, uh, religion, etc., sex, etc. Et so hopefully it's a representative sample. People will cherry-pick the results. I mean, if you look at it from a, a unionist point of view, you'll say the union looks comfortable. If you look at it from a Republican point of view, well, first of all, the United Ireland figure is up 2.5% from the 2017 election. It's higher than most... Uh, in fact, every, it's higher than every other face-to-face study that's been done, but not but lower than online surveys of support for United Ireland. I think the, the most important one is not so much the headline, but if we, when you break it down by people who actually voted at the election, because remember, a lot of people didn't vote in the 2019 general election. About a third of Northern Ireland didn't vote. But if you look at people, how people voted, it breaks down 60-40, 60% for Northern Ireland in the UK, 40% for United Ireland, and those are the sort of people who will turn up on referendum day. So what it basically means is those who want United Ireland need to convert about 11 or 12 out of every 100 voters over to their cause to plug that 20-point gap. That's really what we're looking at. So can that be done? People would imagine that over time it may or may not be able to be done. But let me ask you a a question here on the back of something that I've been reading about this uh, recently. And it's got to do with misunderstandings of the Good Friday Agreement. And this is an article uh, by uh, Brendan Heading on Slugger O'Toole. And it says there are two common misunderstandings. The first misunderstanding holds that following the implementation of the Good Friday Agreement, a border poll cannot be held unless there is a likelihood of a majority in favour of a united Ireland. This misconception is so widespread that top commentators refer to it. And even the British government have been known to hide behind it. So that's the first point. And that's the, this writer believes that that's a, a misunderstanding. And here's the other crucial one with regards to the border poll, because people will say, oh, it doesn't matter about 
Sinn Féin winning the border poll the first time. It's seven years from now that they're aiming for because they have to hold it again in another seven years. And the, the writer says, another common misunderstanding is that the poll once triggered the first time must be held every seven years. In fact, neither of these two requirements exist. Do both those requirements exist, John, in your professional opinion? The second part is easier to deal with than the first, because that's quite right what was said on, in the article on, on Slugger O'Toole uh, a while back, in that there's no requirement whatsoever for the Secretary of State to call a second border poll. If, for example, uh, opinion appeared to move away from the United Island, if the first border poll was lost and opinion moved away from uh, wanting a United Island, the Secretary of State wouldn't be, would be under no obligation whatsoever to call another border poll after seven years. So it's not as if one has to be called every seven years. The first bit is more contentious because there's a slight difference between what it says in the Good Friday Agreement and what appeared in the Northern Ireland Act. Basically, what the Good Friday Agreement requires is for, for the Secretary of State to observe public opinion and call, uh, and call a referendum uh, where there is a realistic possibility, where it appears that there is support for United Ireland. That one, I think, if, a secretary, if for example, a survey had shown you know, 60% support for United Ireland and the Secretary of State still refused to budge, I think that would be potentially liable to judicial review. Other le- more, better legal brains than me might, might dispute that. But I think there would be pressure. And I think in, in terms of real politic anyway, you know, with Danton on the head of opinion, I think that the Secretary of State would call uh, because the pressure would be such that a United Island, uh, a referendum on United Island w- would have to be called. So I think public opinion really does matter. What, what I think is a problem is we don't have criteria. You know, people will cherry pick from, from the results of today's survey uh, and Eunice may, you know, be, be, be reasonably cock a hoop on, on the findings. But face-to-face surveys always show lower support for United Ireland. Online surveys have shown greater support. So which surveys um, should the Secretary of State use to inform him of opinion? And why should particular surveys be used? I mean, if you look at the Life and Times survey, which is done annually, uh, support for United Ireland is very low on, on their findings. 2018, it was as low as 19%. So I think there are issues of, of methodology, and we need to agree, I think, a consensus as to what criteria the Secretary of State should use to call a border poll. Just one other point on the seven-year rule. Just, just explain the seven-year rule for us again. Yeah, what, what happens is if the... Um, if, if a border poll takes place, there cannot be one from, for another seven years from when that border poll uh, takes place. So there has to be a seven-year gap. It's not one of those sort of never-ending... It's not like a Scottish situation where Nicola Sturgeon is demanding uh, a, a referendum immediately. Um, so basically, in terms of Northern Ireland, there would have to be a seven-year hiatus, a seven-year gap between one border poll and the next. That is reasonably clear in the legislation. So you couldn't have a referendum every year until you've got the result you wanted. There has to be a minimum of seven years. They can only be held every, uh, once every seven years. Yeah, but a lot of people do think that it has to be held every seven years. That, that is a fallacy? No, no that's, a, that's, a, that's a fallacy. That's a fallacy. Let's say there was a, you know, a close vote and the United Ireland fell just short uh, in the first border poll. And then uh, the percentage, every opinion poll showed that support for the United Ireland had receded. Then there wouldn't be an obligation to call another poll seven years later. That's not there uh, in, in terms of legislation. What's a more likely scenario is that there could be a close vote in the first border poll, and obviously Sinn Féin and other groups campaigning for United Ireland will c- continue the pressure to have another poll 
seven years later, with obviously the demographics changing, and with the United Ireland perhaps becoming a far less frightening prospect for, for unionists, and certainly for those who declare as neither unionist nor nationalist. And so in terms of real politic, that's more likely to happen, that there would be a second poll after seven years, but there's no obligation. Do you think those who are making the decisions, as in the office indeed of Mr. Brandon Lewis, that they'll be looking at your University of Liverpool survey or or not? Do, do, they, do they take much credence in professional polls like this? It's a great question. One wonders what opinion they're looking at. I mean, there's no chance whatsoever, I think, of... of a border poll being called um, in, in the next few years. I don't think that's necessarily to the detriment of Sinn Féin because I, th- I think they would lose that, uh, that, that, that first border poll. Um, I, I, it's a great question because I think the Secretary of State should be under an obligation. I think the law should be changed so the Secretary of State is obliged to publish the criteria by which the office holder um, is, will, will consider a border poll so, there's, so that some, there's some transparency so we know you know, what measurement? Let's say you had four opinion polls in the row that showed 40% plus support for United Ireland, so they're getting within the ballpark. Then, you know, perhaps that should trigger a border poll. I, I do think that the public of Northern Ireland are entitled to some certainty, if not about their constitutional future, then about at least when a border poll should be called, because at the moment it's purely within the arbitrary gift of the Secretary of State. And I have no idea whether Brendan Lewis is sat there reading the Belfast Telegraph this morning or not. I have no idea what Brandon Lewis thinks about public opinion uh, on Northern Ireland's constitutional future. And I think we probably do have a right to know. John, thank you very much indeed. John Tong from the University of Liverpool. This is the U105 phone-in. Thanks to Professor Tong. What's on your mind? 16 minutes past nine is the time. We'll get further opinion on this after a short break. 02890-333105. This is the U105 phone-in with David McCann, lecturer and indeed presenter with Slugger TV, available to speak to us. Good morning, David. Morning, Frank. David, what do you make of the, the survey? Any surprise at this present moment in time that only a third of the people in Northern Ireland want Irish unity? Well, I would have thought that would have been maybe slightly hard because if you take a look at some of the support for the combined nationalist parties, it's up around the 40% mark. So I would have expected it to be a couple of points higher. Uh, Where I think John Tong's um, survey is really, really useful is its work amongst the none of the above group because, of course, that that is the demographic and that is the electoral group that is growing in Northern Ireland. So I'm thinking about people who vote for the Greens people who vote for the Alliance Party. Um, and it does show um, some real anxieties there. They're not totally bought into the union. Um, it's kind of it, it's kind of like, you know, the, 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 they're just opting for the status quo. Um, it shows that there isn't really a massive appetite for a United Ireland amongst that group. So I think for those who want constitutional change, those who want a United Ireland, it really is about tapping into that demographic because one thing that a lot of surveys have shown, and I know John was referencing, Um, uh, some of this in his conversation with you, you have seen some of that group peel away from being pro-union to uh, to, to essentially having no real opinion and it really provides an opportunity for Irish nationalism to really tap into that and really really make a pitch to those voters that basically there are more benefits to be accrued from from changing the constitutional position from the United Kingdom to the United Ireland. Yeah, when you ask people, do they want to go to heaven, they'll say yes but if you ask them (laughs) Do you want to go now? They'll say no. So is there an element yeah. of that within Irish nationalism that 
that, you know, heaven to them is a united Ireland. But at the moment, ooh, ooh, not so sure, not so sure. Well, well, I think I, I think the issue here, Frank, is that there's no, we don't really know what a United Ireland is going to look like. We're still debating, would it contain Stormont? Would it not? Would you have the Guard of Shikana across the end of Ireland? Would the PSNI continue? the NHS and things like that. So the problem is a, a United Ireland is very abstract. It, uh, until until we get some meat on the bones, and I know we've been talking about Sinn Féin's rise and the Republican and, um, uh, and, and, and their calls for a plan for, for unity, and I know that was echoed by the former T-shirt Bertie Ahern over the weekend as well. Um, I think until we get that and until the, the, the Irish government lead this process, because it needs to be a government leading the process, um, until we start getting some meat on the bones of this debate, it's going to be very hard to 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 make that real to people to to, to give some meat on the bones. Um, and I think uh, when when that does happen, and when people start start looking at the outworkings of things like Brexit, when the UK exits its transition period and gets its future relationship or whatever shape or form that takes, I do think I do think there there, there are a certain number of people who will look around and go. Uh, you know, maybe this isn't something that we're bought into. So, 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 I wouldn't say that this survey is totally devastating for Irish nationalism because I think that it equally exposes, whilst unionism is ahead, it equally exposes many problems for the pro-union camp as well. Which do you think we'll get first, a border poll or a bridge to Scotland? Um, I would actually probably say the border poll because if you take a look at the UK's record on things like HS2 and big infrastructure projects, they're either massively delayed or never see the light of day. So I would bet that we'd probably see the border poll within. I know, I know. again, to go back to Bertie O'Hearn's comments, he was potentially talking about the 30th anniversary of the Good Friday Agreement potentially being a good, a, a, a good time in the future. So that would be eight, eight years from now. And that would allow the planning uh, to begin from the Irish government um, and from other sections of society. So I would potentially say you might see, uh, you would see a border poll before you'd see the bridge to Scotland. Do you think in eight years from now we'll know whether or not the United Kingdom is a land of milk and honey following Brexit or a wasteland? Um, I think you're going to know that pretty much within the next 12 to 18 months. We'll see at the end of the year when the Brexit negotiations will be. This is where the future relationship is supposed to be. Um, it's supposed to be done. Um, I think. Uh, I think we will see that. If you take a look at most economic forecasts for what they're worth, uh, you know they're they're pretty much unanimous across the board, saying that the UK's exit from the European Union is going to make it poorer, not richer. Um, and I think because of Northern Ireland's position um, in uh, position sharing a land border as well, I mean, figures right yesterday showing that North-South trade is at its highest level in more than 40 years. Um, I think there are going to be a lot of issues there, and I think that particularly Northern Ireland is going to be is going to be particularly affected um, as a result of this. And we're even seeing some Northern Ireland politicians who who were very pro Brexit, who now now who now that they're in the executive, are trying to deal with the fallout of some of these decisions as, uh, um, as well. So, so, so I think I think that, that that in particular, I don't think the UK is going to be a booming economy. I think it will be. It will be poorer. I mean, it's not going to go bankrupt. The UK is the fifth largest economy in the world. But I still think it is going to be internationally more isolated. And I think it's going to be economically worse off as a result. And when push comes to shove, will unionists, nationalists, republicans, loyalists, call them whatever you wish, will they make their choice based on what they believe is constitutionally right? Or will they make their choice based on what's best for their pocket, their family, their their standard of living? 
Well, people are going to vote for a very different... If you take a look at the Scottish independence referendum, so there are people who are culturally British, there are people who are culturally Irish. You can't put a price on that, so that whether the economy is plus 5% or minus 5%, you can't measure it in pennies and pounds. So, so, so there's that section of the population. But there are others, the none of the above uh, part of the population, who will make a decision based on what they economically think is best for them. Um, and again, that's where I think that, that, particularly with the UK's exit from the European Union, particularly with the with the international debates um, that that are now at play here, um, in terms of Northern Ireland's position, um, I think that the, 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 that that the pro unity side um, does have um, a big argument to make on that. That can win over those people that can win over the alliance voters, the green voters, people who just aren't particularly motivated um, by that as. Um, by that as well, and and most politicians are recognising this. I mean, Arlene Foster just a few days ago was was writing. I think it was in the newsletter about about the need for Northern Ireland to be a place where everyone can call where everyone can call at home. So you're seeing a very much a change in rhetoric from the DUP as well, and we've seen that echoed. Uh, from from politicians within nationalism as well. One of the reasons why all the parties are back in the power sharing government, whether you're unionist or nationalist, that there is a sense that 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 you're only going to achieve your final constitutional aims by solving some of the uh, intrinsic problems that exist within Northern Ireland first. David, thank you very much indeed. David McCann uh, from Slugger TV. David McCann, lecturer at the Ulster University as well. Thank you very much indeed for taking part in the programme. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.